Testing, testing. In three, two. Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, this is Watch. We are so happy to have you with us tonight on a Tuesday night, a podcast on a night where an epic legend, a man who adorns the northeast corner of Lucas Oil Stadium with a 100-foot image of himself, will no longer be there. This is Peyton Manning. This is Roster Watch. My name is Alex Dunlap. I'm here as always with Byron Lambert and joined during draft season by our foremost draft expert here, here at Roster Watch, Mr. Mike Loiko, anypatriotsdraft.com. He's been scouting these kids since each one was in eighth grade <laughs> and he has all 800 listed in order at anypatriotsdraft.com. So go check him out. I'm going to turn over the keys to our captain steering the ship, Mr. Byron Lambert. Hey, Captain Ron is here as always. I'm taking the wheel of this ship and I'm about to put the throttle all the way down. This is what we're talking about. There's been so much happening in this last week since the Combine. The landscape that the NFL has changed with a lot of this offseason activity. We've had franchise tags. We've got free agency about to pop. We've had the Peyton Manning explosion in the in the football universe and now we what we want to know is how is this going to affect the top end of the upcoming draft in April and the first place that we have to steer the ship to is what has been the center of the NFL universe for over a month they've hosted the Super Bowl they've hosted the college all-star skills challenge they've hosted the NFL scouting combine and now today without further ado was the Peyton Manning press conference. He he cried. Jim Ursay cried. <laughs> cry, cry. One Manning went in for a handshake. Ursay went in for the hug. Today <laughs> was the resolution of so much strife the last couple of months. You could tell they kind of had a talk probably on the flight back home from Florida. They got it figured out. They got both their stances figured out. And you got to admire the way that Peyton Manning handled it. Uh, you answer really no questions about other teams, really showing his respect for the Colts as an organization by keeping this about the Colts today. But looking forward here at Roster Watch, we're not thinking about today, we're thinking about tomorrow. As far as where Peyton Manning might end up, I know Byron has some very specific ideas. We've been running the Peyton Manning sweepstakes on rosterwatch.com for, for a while now. We think some of our sleepers that that at the beginning were under the radar are now starting to emerge as front runners. We believe that the way Peyton Manning is going to affect the top ten of this draft is that first and foremost, the Miami Dolphins, every beat writer you, you listen to from Miami thinks they have the greatest chance in the world of, of landing Peyton Manning. Me personally... I, I see them as a strong contender, but not a favorite. So I still see them potentially being in an RG3 sweepstakes, possibly reaching for Ryan Tannehill at the top of that first round. Which I think would be a horrible mistake, and we'll have Mike pipe in on that in, in, in a minute. But, you know, as far as Miami, just quickly about them, you figure you got the, you got the new – the new staff, the new offensive-minded head coach, a guy who's going to want to come in, implement his philosophies, 
implement his culture. Come in there, make a splash, try and do what the Heat have done. You know, try and get some tickets sold. Uh, would a guy like Peyton Manning help with that? Sure. As far as the longevity of what he's trying to implement, will it help with that? Are you so sure? I'm not sold. I don't think Manning. I don't think Manning to Miami is the right fit. Um, I think they're still very much in play potentially for uh, making some kind of deal for uh, Matt Flynn. Well, and obviously there's the Green Bay connection there with Matt Flynn. He's a guy who absolutely wowed everyone in the what was it the week the week 16 it was the week 16 or week 17 game with the six touchdown monster tying the record ever at Lambeau Field. <laughs> but it, so you know, and like Mike was telling me today on Twitter. What Philbin does in this situation with Matt Flynn sure will be an indicator of somebody who has real inside knowledge of who Matt Flynn is. If they go after him hard, it'll show you that a guy with intimate knowledge of the player knows that he's valuable and knows that he has a shot to be a starter in this league. Absolutely. Um, I would say when we're talking top ten... The team that probably has the highest percentage of landing a Manning would be the Washington Redskins. But again, I think that they are now have become the front runner in the Robert Griffin III sweepstakes. I think that's where they're going to focus their attention. I think they're going to back out. And what I think this ultimately results in is I think there's other going to be there's going to be teams. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to try to make a pitch. Manning's not going to be interested in going there. Well, they well the Jacksonville Jaguars would make sense because of the cap room they have and the fact that he would be able to do a package deal with Reggie Wayne as it seems like they're trying to do. But you yeah. know the Buffalo Bills they have a boatload of cash. They went after Terrell Owens. I'm sure that Ralph Wilson in his old age would love to make a pitch for Reggie Wayne and Peyton Manning. But again, I don't think that's a destination where Manning's interested. I think that somewhere that it starts to emerge as a sleeper is it's become clear that. The Cleveland Browns, I don't think, are going to want to pony up the dough or the trade picks for well, Robert Griffin III. All indications recently have, have definitely backed up that claim, and you know we've been saying it for we've been saying it for a month here at Roster Watch, and what I've been saying in my in my uh, in my uh, weekly column in the Austin Chronicle is that you know Vic Carucci told us if he had to put his money on it. <laughs> He would say the Colt will be the starter there next year. Uh, you know, obviously things have changed. Robert Griffin III had a freakish athletic display at the NFL Combine where we were bringing you live coverage. But has it changed to the point where they're willing to go away from what all indications were showing that they were going to go? Who knows? Who knows? I would just say I think that, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns would be a little bit of a sleeper in the Peyton Manning sweepstakes. Now, again, I'm not sure how much he'd love to go there. I think Holmgren could, could, could ease some concerns. I think the fact that they'd be willing to maybe bring a Reggie Wayne in, um, you know, I think that could, be val- you know, that could be valuable in their pitch to Manning. So really where we think the Manning sweepstakes is going to affect the draft is probably – more in picks 10 through 20. Yeah, we really believe the front runners that have emerged are clearly the New York Jets. Alex and I have been saying for two weeks we believe the Seahawks and the Chiefs are the absolute biggest sleepers for Peyton Manning. And then, of course, what, what, what all the talk has been has been about the Miami Dolphins. 
And which gets us to our special guest, Mike Loiko, NEPatriotsDraft.com. Mike, people here in Austin, we wonder, and, you know, we were at the Senior Bowl with you. We got to talk a little bit about these quarterbacks. Obviously, Tannehill wasn't there. Uh, I, I, I spoke with his agent recently. You know, he's, he's going to be he's going to be completely fine for everything moving forward. But we talked a little bit about Tannehill. What is it that you think scouts see in Tannehill where he's being projected to possibly go in the top ten? Is it that much of a connection, do you think, with Mike Sherman, new offensive coordinator there in Miami, uh, being, and then if they do decide to pick him, does that obviously show confidence in a guy who's only had 19 starts in college and was previously a wide receiver? Well, the thing with Candy Hill is this. He's a tremendously athletic kid. I mean, not many people can make the change from wide receiver to starting quarterback in a big time conference. He's got a huge frame, six foot four, two hundred and twenty two pounds, and he's got an NFL quality arm. Now he does show a tremendous amount of potential and he has a tremendous amount of athletic ability for the quarterback position. I mean we're talking about people like Andrew Lutz and Robert Griffin the third. Kenny Hill's a better natural athlete than Andrew Lutz is. I mean and Robert Griffin the third's one uh, percent I mean top one percent of any athlete in this world. So Tannehill is an elite athlete for the quarterback position. He's got pretty elite arm for the position, and he shows a lot of potential. I mean, he can make the NFL throws. He's come from a passing offense, has very good mobility for the position. So I think offensive coordinators, coaches are just enamored with him on a whole. I will say this. I think if Tannehill has to go to a situation where he has to start right away, I think that he'll struggle and it might affect his career negatively for a while. I think ideally I could see Tannehill going to a team that maybe even picks up a Peyton Manning in free agency and for say for example the Miami Dolphins sign a Peyton Manning or somebody like that. I could see Tannehill going to a team that already has an established quarterback because let's face it, Peyton Manning even if he does sign and plays great and he's fully healthy He's only got two, three, at the most, four years of high-quality productivity. So they're going to need to be thinking about the quarterback after that already. So the question is going to be, do these teams want to go after Peyton Manning and be good in the short term, or do they want to draft a project like Ryan Tannehill, have him sit for a year or two, but potentially reap the benefits for 10 to 15 years to come? Tannehill is a very intriguing prospect. I think he holds the key to the entire first round. After he goes, I think a lot of the stuff will fall into place. And I, he's a player to watch in the first round. And I, I wouldn't put it past the Washington Redskins to take a player like Tannehill. I do not think the Redskins are going to end up pairing up for Griffin. I still think ultimately he goes to the Cleveland Browns. I think they're kind of slow playing in their hand right now. And they know that St. Louis has all the leverage. So I, I honestly think that Griffin ends up in Cleveland. And I wouldn't put it past a team from 6 to 12, I think that's Tanny Hill's range. Well, Mike, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was actually going to write an article tonight about this, about how the one way that I thought Stephen Ross would be able to convince a new head coach who was basically going to have to tell his offense that they're going to be learning Peyton Manning's playbook. The one way to get a guy like that on board is to maybe bring in, I was going to say, bring, see if you could bring in a Matt Flynn. 
somebody who could learn under Peyton, somebody who where your two systems with Peyton and your own system could begin to converge and somebody could get, begin to you know, learn under that bit of convergence. I think it makes a lot of sense. But you know, with a guy like Tannehill, we just see him going this high in these mock drafts. And to, and to a lot of folks in Texas who consistently saw him lose football games at the very last minute, show poor, poor leadership, show, you know, completely non-demonstrative you know, understanding of the route tree, even having been a former wide receiver, we just, we kind of, you know, we kind of wonder about it. But we understand that the scouts like his size, they like his mobility, they like that he has a high, clean, uh, and quick delivery. Uh, but, boy... Well, my, the way I feel about t- these, both of these issues are, look, there's been a lot of quarterbacks who I know the big thing is, well, Tannehill only had 19 starts. That's why he wasn't more successful. There's been quarterbacks that have started in limited time in college and done a lot better than Ryan Tannehill did. I still can't get over the fact that he had a pretty good team, but they way underachieved. That speaks to the quarterback position to me personally. And, well, you, and then it, I think you guys are nuts. I think it's a great idea, but there is no way somebody <laughs> gets Peyton Manning, ponies up that cash, and then drafts a quarterback in the top 10 picks of his draft. There's well, no way. They're helping Peyton Manning win now with that draft. Well, and do you know what they're saying? And, and, and to Byron's point, what they are saying, the news that we're getting coming out of South Florida, is that the Dolphins feel like they are a team right now that is built to win now. They are no longer in rebuilding mode. That is what the sentiment of the team is. So do you picture taking a quarterback that early in the draft or making a move for a guy like a Matt Flynn possibly to keep your new head coach, your new offensively-minded head coach, who you brought in for his system. You brought him in for his system. And now he has to turn over his offense to Peyton Manning. So how do you keep that guy happy? Maybe, maybe you could make a move, if you've got the deep pockets like Stephen Ross does, to possibly get another one of these guys, make your new head coach feel like you have confidence in his system, this is a placeholder. We have what we need now. I personally see them not. I don't think they'll end up with Peyton Manning. I don't think they'll draft Ryan Tannehill. Well, you and I, I both- think they'll bring in Matt Flynn. They'll find a way to get that done. It makes too much sense. The one interesting thing on the Manning front to Miami, I would say, is that even, I didn't think Miami would be a potential destination for Reggie Wayne because they already had Brandon Marshall. And my opinion is there's no way on earth Peyton Manning wants to play with Brandon Marshall. <laughs> But there are, I've seen indications that the Dolphins, I think, because of his Miami ties, are willing to bring Reggie Wayne on board. So that would be interesting to see a Reggie Wayne, Brandon Marshall wide receiver combination with Peyton Manning pulling the trigger. The fact is, we're going to have between a half a dozen and, you know, nine to ten potential suitors in this Peyton Manning sweepstakes. One that we have inside knowledge of is the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I had the chance to address Scott Pioli at the Combine about the chances of the Chiefs looking at Peyton Manning in free agency. He shot me right down, completely, you know, deferred the question to, you know, um, 
I would imagine rules in the new CBA about tampering, and you can't talk about a player when he's signed. And right now we're sitting in Lucas Oil Stadium where this player is signed. Uh, Romeo Cornell was a little more forthcoming in his press conference the next day. He was asked by an interviewer if Peyton Manning were to be available via free agency in a hypothetical situation, would you be interested? He said he would be crazy not to be interested. I personally think the Chiefs would be crazy not to be interested myself. Absolutely. I think I think Chiefs and Seahawks and, and are, are big-time possibilities for Manning. I think Arizona's been very quiet when makes you start to sleep on them. I think they'll be a player. I think ultimately they're not going to want to pony up what it's going to take for them. And unfortunately, I think San Francisco is the absolute best destination for remaining, but I still get the feeling they're just going to they're going to be too obligated to Alex Smith after his success this last year. You know, guys, I what I want to do here is I want to steer the ship a little bit out a little bit outside the lines. Because this is going to take us a, probably outside of the top 10, but it's still, gives us, it's still very draft-related. There's been a lot of activity with the players that have been franchised. There was 22 teams who franchised players this last few days. Um, it is going to change the landscape of the draft. It's going to change the landscape of free agency. I just want to go down the list of highlights. Mike, we'd like for you to pipe in on any of this. Alex, you know if you have any thoughts. Uh, first and foremost... The Baltimore Ravens have franchised Ray Rice. Uh, Alex, I know you were thinking they would be looking running back maybe in the top three rounds of this draft to give him some... some uh, well, no, I, 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 I mean, I think so, and it's been confirmed, it's been confirmed by Ozzie Newsom. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we asked him about it at the combine. They will be looking running back in this draft or via free agency, and I just see too many good compliments to, they don't want Ladarius Webb returning kicks anymore. He's far too valuable to that team. So I think they're going to look for a compliment who can both return kicks and a guy who will be, kind of be a good compliment to Ray Rice. I, so that's why in my mock drafts in the third round, I have Isaiah P., the senior bowl MVP and a kid I've been sick on this whole draft season, going there to Baltimore. Do you see Mike, do you see Baltimore going running back early in this draft? I mean, I doubt they go running back before the third round. I mean, if you're going to pay your top running back that kind of money, how many times is Ray Rice going to come off the field? He catches the ball, he's a pass protector. I mean, you're only going to have a running back that maybe gets between 50 to 100 carries. So wasting a second or first round pick on another running back, in my opinion, wouldn't be a smart move when you're a team like the Baltimore Ravens that, let's face it, they have no explosive players on the outside of that offense. They need receivers. Their defense is getting older by the day. This is a team that is on the decline, not the incline, and they have major holes. The one position they are set is the running back position, and if they want to waste a second or first-round pick on it, as a Patriots fan, let them, because that running back's not going to get on the field very much. Well, and you know, Alex, I mean, I think we, we must have taken a little bit some different ideas from the press conference, because I'm kind of checking my notes here live from the combine when we were interviewing Ozzie Smith. I mean, Ozzie Newsome. And, uh... Well, what was the question we were asking about Ricky? I, all I know is that I remember highlighting in my notes how happy he's and content he said he is with Anthony and Allen. Anthony Allen. He, do you know what? He, he did Fantasy say footballers remember he it. Did, hey, he did say it that. in March. We Anthony are. Allen would be a sick handcuff for Ray Rice. You will probably also want to keep him just on your radar, even if he is Ricky Williams-ish. 
Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do remember that now. He did go into it about Anthony Allen. But my point does remain that they need somebody returning kicks who's not named Ladarius Webb. And I just really feel like no matter what kind of lip service he was giving Anthony Allen there, it's something that we do need to keep an eye on and keep on our radars. I mean, just if you can get a guy like Isaiah Pede who could possibly have first-round explosive potential at the, at the end of the third, who has shown what he can do after only returning kicks in college for three games? My goodness. It's just, to me, the fit seems good. Well, another and then another you know big time running back that was franchised was Matt Forte by the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, I don't know what's wrong with that franchise. They should have paid this man some money last year. It's Jerry Angelo. They finally got him on board. So the interesting thing is everybody thinks the Bears need a wide receiver, but. They're rumored to be one of the teams that's going to go the hardest after Vincent Jackson, which seems like it would be an unbelievable fit with Matt Forte and Jay Cutler. So, you know, my question for you, Mike, is do you do you see then the Bears still pursuing a wide receiver in the first round, or do you think they're going to solve that via free agency and then? What does that make their next, you know, their biggest priority? Probably offensive line or or DB. Well, right now we we hear a lot of rumors about who's going here, who's pursuing, uh, who's pursuing who, and really all of it's going to be taken with a grain of salt because ninety percent of the stuff we hear it doesn't turn out to be true. I mean, the Bears definitely need wide receivers. There's no doubt about that. And if I mean, they're right in range to be picking a player like Michael Floyd or Kendall Wright. I think if those players slip to them at 19, they got to take a look at them. But until that franchise fixes that offensive line, it doesn't matter if Jerry Rice is playing receiver, Calvin Johnson. If they can't keep Jay Cutler upright and not running for his life constantly, it's really not going to matter. It's only a matter of time before Jay Cutler sustains a major injury early in the season. I mean, luckily he made it through more than half the season this year before he got injured. But he's just a sitting duck back there. They need to address it. They need really three offensive linemen. They, they drafted Gabe Creamy last year from Wisconsin. Terrible. We ended up missing most of the season due to an injury. So they really need another offensive tackle, two guards. They need a center. So they need to address the offensive line first, and then they can think about the receiver position. Well, Mike, I, I, and may, I could be wrong, but uh... – did you also did in your current mock draft? Do you also have Kendall Wright slotted to the, to the Bears? I I believe I either have the Bears taking I have not taken a receiver. I think it's Michael Floyd. I believe maybe it's Kendall Wright. I'm I think, I, I was looking over yours because I have so much respect for it. You know when I was kind of mulling over what I thought the Bears might do, and I think we both settled for right there. But now I'm looking at this and I'm wondering with all the holes up and down their offensive line. Do they maybe, do they maybe sacrifice the wide receiver pick for somebody like a Cordy Glenn, who people think can play tackle or guard, or do they go for a guy like a Jonathan Martin that they think can they can stick right in? I mean, do you have a feeling for any of that? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I have Jonathan Martin going one pick before him in the mock draft, but if I read it this today, I really I've been watching a little bit of film on Jonathan Martin this week. And I really think he's a player that's going to be falling into the 20s at least. If Jonathan Martin's there for the Chicago Bears, 
they have to think long and hard about this. And, I mean, we're talking about receivers like Benson Jackson and the big names on the free agent market. There's a good number of, you know, mid-tier free agent wide receivers that will really help the Bears offense. They really have just got – their receivers are all really similar to me. They're all really number four receivers. They don't have anybody that really stands out. I mean – Earl Bennett's yeah, all right. Yeah, I mean, Devin Hester shouldn't be playing receiver. I mean, I don't really am not high on Devin Hester as a receiver. Johnny Knox. They just got a bunch of guys. Yeah, Johnny Knox and, and another he's, one. And he's, he's all right. You know? yeah, so there's well, plenty of room to upgrade. You know, that brings up an interesting point because I've been struggling to figure out any team other than the Saints that I thought Colston would be any good on. And you know, yeah, Colston could be a fit for the Bears. He'd actually. be a fit for the Bears. They got enough vertical speed with Hester and these other guys that they could stick Colston in there as a good possession guy for 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 Cutler. Yeah, and it, it, exactly how he exactly how he was utilized his, his first you know dominant breakout year with with, with Drew Brees in two thousand seven. So. Okay, well that very very interesting stuff. I guess the next thing I would see here is Kansas City Chiefs. Franchise, franchise Dwayne Bow, no surprise. They weren't, you know, they're obviously not planning on taking a receiver. They took Jonathan Baldwin high in the draft last year. Um, do you guys see any way that that might that might affect? Well, uh, you know, draft needs? no, because you know the unanimous sentiment of the people that I talked to at the Senior Bowl and some of the folks at the Combine said that you know, obviously this was before. Don, Don Tari Poe completely t- took things over, but they were saying that you know if there could be a if there could be a, a you know like a Brockers somebody like that maybe around then they would definitely think about it. Obviously, they, their plan is to to address running back. Uh, we were we were told well it was uh, Battle and it was Battle and Thomas Jones or both. They're, yeah, those guys are out. They're both they're both gone. Uh, Romeo Cornell let us know about that um, it, when we asked at the combine. They're pretty happy with McCluster, but you know he did say that he did say that that was going to be a position that they would address, you know, likely via this draft. So maybe I've seen Trent Richardson falling in some mock drafts. Uh, a lot of it will depend on what happens with the quarterbacks in free agency. What happens with the uh, with the you know Castle? What, you know where you would really think he is. Uh, maybe a quarterback there. Well, I'm starting to think that if the Chiefs don't land Peyton Manning, they have such a stacked team with, to me, no really terribly glaring holes. I think they can afford the luxury of pulling the trigger on a Tannehill there. Uh, um, if, I, if I can just jump in for a second. Yeah, please, come in. Um, I think we're all kind of forgetting, too, about Kyle Orange is not a bad quarterback to have you know, to fall back on. I really don't see the Chiefs going hard for Peyton Manning or, you know, uh, one of these bigger name guys. I think they might take a run at one of the middle tier guys like a Kyle Orton potentially or somebody like that. But in terms of the in terms of the draft, the Chiefs do need to adjust the running back position, but the value of this draft at the running back position is in the middle second to probably the fourth round. There's gonna be a ton of running backs across the board. Potentially ones that could start and make an impact right away. So in the first round, I see the Chiefs addressing the front seven on defense or the offensive line. They got Ryan Wilder who started at left guard for them all last year. He wasn't very good. He's up there in age. So I think if somebody like David DeCastro falls to the Chiefs, I mean, he's one of the most sure things in this draft. 
Riley Reese could possibly fall to number 11. They could plug him right in at right tackle, and it make a huge difference. So I see them addressing offensive line or defensive front seven. I think those are their two biggest needs right now. Yeah, and as, and as far as the value, I completely agree. Mike, what do you think if Trent Richardson falls to, falls to what is it, 12 that they pick at, or is it 11? I, I forget. 11 or 12. Because the coin flip. It was the coin flip. I forget which it's one. 11. Yeah, it's 11. It's 11. 11, okay. So what, if, so what if Trent Richardson's there? I don't think they would take Trent Richardson. I, I think they already Trent... got Jamal Charles. I mean, it's an interesting thing to, thing to discuss, but knowing how Scott Pioli does things from his time in New England, He's a, they've always been under the, uh, you know, besides the Lawrence Maroney pick in 2006, which they kind of went off the board about. There's some things said about who steered them in that direction, and people in the organization were totally against the pick at the time. So just knowing how they do business, they like to build the uh, offensive and defensive lines first. They value defensive ends, defensive tackles, cornerbacks, and right and left tackle position above all else. So... They have holes along the offensive line. I personally don't think Trent Richardson makes it out of the top ten. I, I still would be shocked if that happens, but who knows. Well, Mike, and you know this because we were texting about this the other night. I, I'm still on – I still agree that Richardson doesn't. I don't think he makes it past Cleveland because I think at this point they do that to, to – appease their fan base after not making the RG3 move and still getting and still getting a playmaker that everybody can you know they know is sure that everybody can be happy about but my point and I I know that we were talking about this the other night is I believe if Trent Richardson doesn't go by my at Miami there's nobody that's going to take him until you get to the Jets and the Bengals and so either those two sit there licking their chops or I think one of those two teams starts thinking about moving up a few picks to grab him if he does start to slide. The Panthers aren't taking him. The Bills aren't taking him. The Chiefs aren't taking him. The Seahawks aren't taking him. The Arizona Cardinals aren't taking him. And the Cowboys aren't taking him. Mm, the Cowboys, I would You know, this is the thing with the draft. Is we, you just never know. I mean... You can make all the mocks you want, and you can think you know everything you know. The truth is, when the draft comes, nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, it's so unpredictable. I mean, we saw the San Diego Chargers jump up about 16 or 17 spots to pick 12, to pick Ryan Matthews. So if Trent Richardson starts falling to pick 8, 9, 10, there's going to be a handful of teams that are willing to come up and get Trent Richardson. Running backs do tend to slide a little bit, but... Richardson, I, I mean, he's just so good. I, I mean, if you're a team, I mean, that has a decent running back, what's the problem with taking Trent Richardson if he's going to be the most productive player on your offense over some developmental quarterback or something? You want instant production from a player out of this draft. Trent Richardson is going to give you instant production. I just don't see, I mean, I would take him in the top ten and not have a problem with it. So, who makes who, who, to you? Who, who are the likely players for a trade up if he does start to slide? I thought well, the Jets you, and you Bengals. Mentioned, you mentioned one. Cincinnati makes a lot of sense. They have a hole at running back with Benson being gone, and they have the two first round picks. I mean, any team, the Detroit Lions possibly could try to make a play to come up there. The St. Louis Rams are sitting at twenty two. They might trade down. They're going to trade down with the Robert Griffin, whoever comes up for that. 
So they're going to have a bounce your picks. If St. Louis trades down to somewhere around 8, 9, 10, 11 area, I think then that becomes, or even 6, say they trade down with Washington, say Blackman and Claiborne go off the board before that, I think they seriously will take a look at Trent Richardson. I know for a fact that they had a ton of running backs rated very high last year, and the way the board just fell was there was always somebody else better available on their board, so they just missed out on taking the running backs that they liked. So I know they're a team that's looking to improve the running back position and uh, supplement Stephen Jackson and eventually find someone to take over for him. Well, yeah, with somebody other than, you know, garbage free agent pickups like Jarius Norwood and Cadillac. Well, and, exa- and, you know, when talking about improving your roster and, you know, free agent pickups, that's kind of the last thing we wanted to get here for our listeners is how the remaining, how the free agents are going to affect uh, you know, the way the draft occurs, the landscape of the NFL offseason. And so there's a couple here that we wanted to just highlight. We know Cedric Benson's going to probably be out in Cincinnati. That's, Marvin Lewis basically That's told pretty me much, much done. Yeah. You know, so he's going to be out there. Michael Bush from the Raiders is going to be out there. It looks like uh, Cincinnati seems very interested in his services. Looks like Peyton Hillis, with all this talk of going to the CIA. <laughs> I, I mean, especially now that I think the Browns might pull the trigger on a Trent Richardson, I think he might be out. Uh, there's a guy like Kevin Smith. So, I mean, when you factor all of that in, plus the depth at running back that Mike was talking about in the middle of this draft, I mean... I just don't know where you even, other than Richardson, I don't know where you even start to take any of these other running backs. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna, it's gonna be hard to tell, and that's why this draft season is, and you know, it's it's so exciting, especially here when you know free agency hits. We're getting our first twenty-two franchise tags today, and we'll, well be we'll be keeping. You and Mike ben, ben, ben Jarvis is gonna be, he's an unrestricted free agent. Is he gonna be gone? And then does that open the door for Vereen and Ridley? And out of those two, who's the front runner? Yeah, I've long been under the impression that Ben Green Ellis is gone. I think he'll get an opportunity somewhere. I mean, you don't draft a running back in the second and third round if your feature back of a future is already on your roster. Ben Green Ellis is a nice running back. He never fumbles the ball, and he never loses yards, but he can only get what's blocked for him. He's a three, four, or five-yard carry back. He didn't have – he had maybe – I think – actually, I don't think he had a run over 20 yards this year. The, only run, the longest runs of the season by the uh, Patriots were by Ridley, and Vereen had a long run in his limited carries. At this point, I would say it's going to be a split with Ridley and Vereen and mixed Woodhead in there in uh, two-minute offenses and spread huddles. But I would say that Ridley right now is the favorite, but Shane Vereen has much more upside. I know Shane Vereen was very highly thought of throughout NFL circles last year. He just got hurt in training camp. And really missed his opportunity by getting her at the start of training camp. But I like Green's potential as a home run threat and Ridley as the uh, change of pace back. So as far as, like, with the whole Vereen-Ridley thing, if, see, Mike, you don't think there's going to be any extra additional back brought in to be a feature back? This is going to be a committee there next year? I would think that's going to be a committee. I wouldn't rule out. I have heard that they have made an offer to Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, but I doubt it's anything uh, serious that he would consider at this point. He's going to get a chance somewhere to make a little bit more money. I mean, you just, you just don't draft two running backs 
in the draft, and then if you think you have your starter on the roster, I wouldn't rule out them bringing in like a veteran uh, running back like they did with uh, Fred Taylor a couple of years ago just to have somebody for those guys to look up to. But they've had a year in the system. I think they'll be ready to go. All right, Mike, one other Patriots question here that will dovetail right in the last portion of free agency. What is the, what type of momentum is because is building for Vincent Jackson in New England? Because we think it's the perfect fit. I thought it was the perfect fit a year ago, but the Pats don't be you know seem willing to make the move. And then when you read all the you know when you read all the rumors, basically the Patriots are not one of the teams that's highest on the list of people to land Vincent Jackson. Well, from everything I've heard so far, wide receiver is their number one priority in free agency. Right now, they just franchised Wes Welker, and before they did that, they had no receivers signed to the roster besides, like, Tyquan Underwood, I believe, who got cut back before the Super Bowl. So they're going to bring back Deion Blanche on a low-money contract. He'll be the number three or probably the number four receiver. Chad Ochoacinco, who knows? If he's brought back, it'll be on a reduced deal. I mean, everything, I had a podcast the other day with WEI, that's the radio station up here in Boston, the sports radio talk station, with Christopher Price, he's the Patriots beat writer for the station, and he basically said, Patriots are going to go after free agents hard, and Benjamin Jackson's a guy they have been rumored to like, I mean, we heard rumors last year that they would trade Logan Mankins for Benjamin Jackson, and both of them are holding out. I think I still think Brandon Law is going to be the guy. It just makes too much sense. I think they do take a run in somebody like a Vincent Jackson and Mike Wallace potentially. And I think the Patriots. I'll tell you this right now. I think the Patriots are going to make a splash in free agency, whether it's with a wide receiver or a defensive player. Maybe not Mario Williams or somebody like that, but they're going to make some splashes this uh, off season just because they're so close. They need something to get them over the top. Well, so that brings up a good point. I mean, we've got there's guys like Plaxico Burris, Marcus Colston, you know, Pierre Garcon, Ted Ginn, Brandon Lloyd, Reggie Wayne, Randy Moss, a, f- a, a fairly solid group of free agent wide receivers, and then you know we've got our Justin Blackmans and our Michael Floyds that we think are high wide receiver picks, how do, how does this affect, you know, teams like Washington who need a wide receiver, teams who teams like Cleveland and Tampa and St. Louis, Jacksonville. I mean heck, even though we even know the the Bills and the Panthers have expressed interest in wide receivers, do these guys I mean, which of these teams are most likely to just make the trades via, or you know, make the moves via free agency, and then which teams are most likely to actually go after a Blackman or a Floyd? Well, besides Blackman, Floyd too. This this whole draft is really deep at wide receiver. So I mean, if you need a wide receiver, this is the offseason to fill that need. There's a ton of good free agent wide receivers for a team like the Patriots. I think they're going to sign one in free agent, like a Brandon Lowe, and I also think they're going to draft one in the first three rounds. If these, receive, if these receivers are smart, they're going to look at a situation like Washington and say, why the hell would I want to go there? They don't have a quarterback. You know, there's gonna, I think it's going to be something like where these receivers try to pair themselves up with decent quarterbacks. So I think Carolina will sign one of the free, uh, wide receivers just because they're kind of going in the right direction with Cam Newton. Vincent Jackson is tough to read. I'm, honestly, I don't even have a guess of where he's going to go. Chicago, you already mentioned, maybe somewhere like, I honestly don't know. It's, 
know, everything's going to change a week from to, uh, yesterday. So we just got to sit back and, you know, see where the chips fall. Well, and I, I, and I, think, I think you bring up a good point. I think that when you look at it, they're probably the Rams, maybe the Vikings, and uh, possibly the Panthers are the most likely candidates to fill wide receiver via, you know, free agency with the big time guys. So then that will still leave, you know, teams like the, the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, you know, the Vikings. Tampa Bay as well, I think, will Tampa. fill it free agency. Yeah, very interesting. Well, fantasy footballers, football fans, Boston Watch listeners, We've brought all of the off-season news to you tonight, letting you know how that's going to start affecting this draft coming in April. Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the world, thank you so much for tuning in with us tonight. We have Mike Loiko, NEPatriotsDraft.com. This is Roster Watch. This is off-season. But here, there is no off-season. Whether you're in season, whether it's fantasy season, whether it's draft season, I am so happy to tell our listeners worldwide, 